What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, it get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, it get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't gotta ask him. Luka with the step back three. Oh, yeah! Boy, Chris Stabs, looking like Dirk and Nash in the gap. They just want to ring, want to fill the gap on your team head. I ain't talking heads, dang, I relax, still at the champ. Diva still coming with the Calibus flow, the Mavs the best on the flow. I'm wild, but yeah, I'm the goat. How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and Dallas basketball on SI colleague, Matt Galatson. And tonight, we have our guy, Mike Fisher, with us. He's the head of the snake over at DallasBasketball.com. Uh, he's been killing it with Cowboys coverage this season, too. Uh, but, Fish, I- I'm sure, you know, given how things have gone with the Cowboys this year, you're probably as ready as anybody to uh, to get past that and jump into this new MAV season. <laughs> yeah, I, I covering a loser makes you feel like a loser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so – yeah, and obviously the Cowboys are always interesting no matter what, uh, except this week against the Niners when the network and the league has decided that they're not interesting enough to be on primetime. So for the first time ever, we'll yank them down to the noon game. But I still bet you the ratings for the noon game against the Niners would be outstanding. And then we can uh, very soon, with the Cowboys, turn the page and get to our beloved Mavericks, who will probably – let's do the math here because the Cowboys are going to end up winning five – games right and, yeah and the, the Mavericks will win more games in the first two weeks than the Mavericks <laughs> won over the course of six months yeah yeah I mean it's really nice going from that because I I mean I'll be honest I I it, it's been very spotty for me and my Cowboys you know viewership since since Dak uh, messed up his ankle and I mean I'm super excited about this upcoming season I mean it the I, I've said it on recent pods but the days of no expectations for the Dallas Mavericks, I mean, those days are over. Uh, everybody has them as one of the top teams in the West. Luka is the odds-on favorite, betting favorite to win MVP this year. Uh, you know, and that's even without you know, knowing that KP is going to be out for, you know, at least until the first week of January. So it's very exciting stuff. Uh, we really enjoyed uh, seeing what the Mavs do, did on uh, draft night. We enjoyed seeing what they did, and uh, they got Josh Richardson from Philly, and that has turned out uh, to be a great success for them uh, in, through these two preseason games. He looks like a seamless fit. Uh, the rookies look good. I mean, it, it's, it's a, overall, it's a great situation for the Mavs right now, and uh, you know, just to jump into our first topic here, uh, Matt and Fish. And, Matt, we'll start with you since uh, 
I went to fish first there, but just from what you've seen from the Mavs this preseason, what's one thing that you really like? Something you're really excited about and then something that you're not very excited about, you're kind of worried about heading into the season? For me, the jump out excitement is, and we wrote about this in uh, Mavs Donuts, the instant meshing of Luca with Josh Richardson. I, I didn't, I didn't, I certainly didn't predict that. That should take time. Uh, Luca's been in the league for a minute, and and Jay Rich has been in the league for a long time with what four or five teams, and that that should take that that cake should take time to bake. But instead, it's here. And you listen to the two guys, and Richardson, especially, he goes, he oh, he goes, this is the best. This is like the best meshing I've ever had. And can that really be true? Is, is, is are their personalities really that peas in a pod? And Richardson goes, you know, we're we're the same. We're both kind of goofy, but then we're all business on the floor. And right. I think that is most pleasant. You can't have a more pleasant surprise than that. You traded for a guy that you hoped would be, you know, star level or whatever, third star, whatever you want to call it. And he's already meshed like like a magnet with Luca. That that's that's the best you could ever dream of. That's by far number one to me. And the the underrated part of that to me, and I think it's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. I I don't know if we've written about it specifically, but I have seen it in a couple places, but uh, Josh Richardson has known Luca since he was 16. Yeah. <laughs> so there was already, you know, just a little bit of chemistry just because they've known each other for a while and they actually like each other. Uh, so it's good to see that translate on the court. And okay, uh, let me throw this at you, boys, that we knew that Luca went to California to train when he was a teenager. And that's when the, that's, that's when the whole candy bars and Jennifer Aniston thing came out. Right. And, you know, he, you know, blue jeans and California and Jennifer Aniston and, and, and candy bars, but they left out the part about Josh Richardson. I didn't know that he came <laughs> here and trained with NBA players. I thought he just came here and went to, you know, Disney world, Disneyland and universal studios. Yeah. I, I didn't know that he went to Santa Barbara to train. Why would you go to Santa Barbara? Except that must have been where Josh Richardson was hanging out. And so what, what, a, what a fantastic bonanza. And then it's, um, it's uh, made even more, uh, the, the, the foundation is even thicker because Carlisle says kind of casually that he's always envisioned what a player like Josh would be like alongside a player like Luca, which is like reverse tampering, but we'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, it's really nice, and like I said, it's translated seamlessly on the court. And uh, the after Josh Richardson, you know, he was pretty dang good in Miami, and then he went to Philadelphia, where that team just had zero spacing, and he was asked to do way more than you know what one guy should be asked to do of his caliber. So it has to be like a breath of fresh air for him. Uh, to be in Dallas and to have this type of space. Like, he's he, he now knows what Seth Curry was benefiting from last year. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and it's been great to see. But uh, just to go the opposite direction now, Fish, is there anything that you're concerned with? Okay. You guys brought this up. And 
I, I believe that the that Mavs Nation media, especially the blogger community and Twitter and stuff, I think it's the best in the country. The the Mavs blogger community slash Twitter is every bit as good as the Cowboys, which is saying something because the Cowboys right. aren't the monster they are. But I think you guys were the first to say, with all due respect to Dwight Powell, shouldn't Willie Cauley Stein be the starting center? Right. And, and my, my impression is that Rick disagrees with you. And that would be my disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can definitely. And look, I, I'm going to give the, the one thing that I'm uh, excited about, but, just to save a little bit of time with this one, that was 100% going to be the thing that I'm most disappointed in because, uh, I mean, it's just – and look, Dwight Powell, kudos to him. He came back from an injury that, that, you know, ends careers in the NBA pretty much. And he looks good physically. But if the goal, which is what Rick Carlisle and everybody has said the goal has been this offseason, and that's to get better defensively, they have, but they're not maximizing what they could be defensively in that starting lineup by having Dwight Powell there instead of Willie Colleystein. And Willie Colleystein's killed it in the preseason. He has looked good on both ends. So, <laughs> you guys have had him on the on the podcast. So, you know, he's a friend of the show, and I and I'll let Matt take over this. But and and I and I I love what Dwight Powell does, like top to bottom. Like Dwight Powell, the person is important, and and the world discovered that in the bubble when he became a voice in the players' association. But isn't Dwight Powell between the two of them? Isn't he the spot player? And Collie Stein is the more conventional, every football term, every down player. Isn't Willie Collie Stein more like? Well, he can do all the things that a center needs to do. Whereas Dwight Powell is kind of a special thing. And if that's true, then Dwight Powell should be put into special circumstances and WCS should be put into normal circumstances. That's my view. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I guess, I guess we're going to save even more time to be honest with y'all because uh, fish basically stole both of mine. So thank you, fish. Yep. <laughs> hey, that's two really good points. I mean, it, it, yeah, <laughs> he no, hit, I mean, it hit the nail on the head. I, I think to expand on the, the Willie Collie Stein concern thing. Um, my, my concern isn't as much maybe that Dwight Powell is starting. It's that Rick is being stubborn with his lineup again. And that kind of concerns me a lot because he's been known to, to stick with lineups that don't necessarily work at the beginning of the season just because he wants them to work. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a concern. But one other thing I'm excited about, even though we haven't really saw it, seen it, is, uh, is Tyrell Terry. I, I know he hadn't, hadn't gotten a, a ton of run in the preseason, <laughs> but um, we've seen his tape. We've seen what he's capable of. And once he gets going and gets involved and, and um, starts playing to his, you know, his talent level, we know he can do, that's going to be a, a huge weapon for Luca to exploit. Oh, yeah. yeah and I, look- I see that. But but can I say this? We do this. We do this every training camp. Oh, this kid looks like, oh, that kid. Oh, that kid. There, there's not room for 15 of them to play. That's true. And so, yeah. you know, Earl Terry, he's the next Seth Curry. Yeah, I mean, 
someday, right? Well, I, I think I think you're I think you're probably right at the beginning of the season, but he's I think he's going to end up taking the Trey Burke role is what is what is what I'm getting. Okay, at. fine. Uh, but which one would you put in a on when they play on the 23rd at Phoenix? Who are you putting in, Brunson, Terry, or Burke? Well, if I know Matt, he'd probably still put in Terry over Brunson. <laughs> okay, well, you're going to lose the game. You're going to lose the game. The odds are you're going to lose the game. But look, let, yeah. me say, let me say this on Tyrell Terry. I'm a big fan of his, and I think – I'm with Matt. I think he's going to end up being a really good player. That said, it ha- he, he didn't live up to the hype in the preseason, but the guy who did, in my opinion, was Josh Green because coming into that draft and even after the Mavs drafted him, the whole thing with Green has been his defensive motor. And, he, you know, he never stops moving on both ends of the court. And he's shown that, you know, in the preseason. He never stops moving. He's a really good defender. He's a good cutter. He's shown the ability to knock down corner threes. He looks he doesn't look like a rookie out there. He looks like a guy who Rick Carlisle might end up playing 15, 20 minutes per game off the bench, and he could potentially, you know, make a difference for this team. So I, I say that, I say the same thing there. I I would tap me, I would tap the brakes there. Because are you gonna who are you gonna play him in front of? I would if I'm playing Josh Green off the bench, I think it works. I think you just have to especially if if Rick isn't going to play Willie Collystein like what we want him to. You know, it seems like James Johnson is getting uh the backup center minutes right now, judging by what we've seen uh in those in those preseason games when he goes to that second unit. James Johnson's like a small ball 5. Ideally, we'd have Willie Collystein starting, and then you have the combo of Maxi and uh, Dwight Powell coming off the bench because they play amazing together. Right. Uh, but that's what I would do. I mean, if if, if Rick's going to be stubborn and he's not going to play Willie Collystein anyway, and he's going to put James Johnson at the five coming off the bench, I think that's where Green gets his his uh, bench minutes. So. I'm a, the reason that I'm like that I'm optimistic about Green is. You know, in every sport, coaches end up liking guys who are like them. Right. And I think I beg you, I take us back to Nelly. And if you if you're old enough to know Don Nelson when he played for the Celtics, he was all offense and country strong and pointy elbows. <laughs> and and then you start to think which kind of what kind of player did he like? And what he liked was country strong, all offense, and pointy elbows. Well, Rick Carlisle, and people make fun of Rick Carlisle's NBA career, which isn't fair, but do you think Rick Carlisle ever made a peep during his NBA career? Probably not. not. Never said a word. (laughs) Well, he says about Josh the other day, he goes, he goes, yeah, he he goes, you know, he basically said he's a strong, silent type. He, He said he never says anything. Well, Carlisle likes that because that reminds him of Carlisle. Just shut up and play. And, right. and, and that's also very Dirk-like. Just, no, we're not, I'm not going to taunt you. You taunt me. I'll just score. And, and yeah. that's, you know, that, that's, a, that's, 
That is kind of, quote, the maverick way, close quote, yeah, because of dirt. That's the one, that's another thing that really jumped out at me, you know, soon after the Mavs drafted him, because you see all these highlights of him in Arizona. He's super athletic. It's all these athletic dunks and blocks and steals. And he just seems like a superstar where he's at. And yet, you know, as soon as he's drafted, he pretty much says like, I know what my role is going to be on this team. And I'm, I'm cool with that. And, you know, (laughs) he's ready to just roll with whatever, Rick Carlisle throws at him. So that's exactly what you want from a young guy like him coming in. And I think it's going to work to his advantage this season. But uh, just to just to end it, we kind of covered everything except for the one thing that that I'm super excited about. Obviously, we're all excited about Luca and his potential MVP season. And we're excited about the the Josh Richardson fit. Uh, the thing I'm most excited about is this Mavs bench coming back to full strength because in those first two games against the Bucks in the preseason, the Mavs, they went, you know, neck and neck with the Bucks uh, up until uh, halftime or early in the third quarter of each game. But then when Rick Carlisle put that, that bench unit in, <laughs> it had Trey Burke and Jalen Brunson – and then you had Willie Colley-Stein at the five. That bench unit just ran the Bucks off the floor. Like, they, they, could, they just couldn't keep up. And I'm really excited about that because that at one point last year, the Mavs had the best bench in the entire NBA. And then they got hit by the injury bug, and it just decimated them. And then by the time you got to the bubble that year, uh, last year, uh, they just had, like, no depth whatsoever, and you were playing, you know, Justin Jackson and uh, DeLon Wright more than they wanted to uh, in the bubble and a little bit in the playoffs, too. So, and uh, uh, MKG, too. I forgot about him, but uh, that's my biggest thing. If, the, if you have a formidable starting five, which the Mavs seem to have, even though we wish they would start somebody else at the five, and then you have a really good bench, too, you're going to win a lot of games. I mean, it's just yeah. – it's simple math. Um, so, that's what I'm most excited about. Matt, what do you think about hey, the bench? Yeah. Uh, I'm loving the bench so far. I, I think that's one of the most underrated things about uh, – oh, KP's warming up with the team. I didn't know he'd, been, he'd be doing Oh, oh nice. Uh, the pregame warm-up. Uh, anyway – that's one of the things about Rick Carlisle's uh, system that I think is so unique is how strong his bench usually is when, especially when he has those two ball handling backcourt guys like Trey Burke and Jalen Brunson, it's when it really reaches its potential. Um, so the fact that they're, they're finally healthy there again, the fact that they're uh, already hitting it on all, all cylinders so early in the preseason is really exciting. Cause I think it can only get better from there assuming they stay healthy. So um, yeah, that's really great. And I think, you know, obviously Josh Green is, is an update uh, upgrade over Justin Jackson and yeah. all that. So, and James Johnson's an upgrade. So it, it's, it's looking really good. James, now, now, James, Jackson, that this show said that he's a friend of the show. Oh, uh, well, yeah, yeah. We, we're <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing but the best for Justin Jackson, by the way, you know, he's starting in OKC right now. 
I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised. There's a place for him. It just, it just, and you guys were right on him on his, on what he could do. It just didn't happen here. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him too. I thought you guys were going to say that the story of the day is that the Mavericks are trading for James Harden. So we're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah. That, I'm glad you said it because that was going to be the very next thing I talked about, but you know, everybody knows that James Harden is going to be on the move probably sooner than later. Uh, well, you apparently, know. listen now. Apparently, Bristol doesn't know it because they keep writing that that, that oh, everything's going to be fine and the organization's going to. Ma- uh, although Tim McMahon did a great job on the you know, do they give James Harden his way too often? Which, by the way, I don't need a story to tell me the answer is yes. But why don't you guys just bring him here and 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 uh, end the problems? Yeah, yeah. I, look, I I don't know if. Uh... I'm not going to name names, but there was a report that came out right before we got on here and recorded, and it listed the Mavs as one of the teams that, you know, supposedly uh, the Rockets have talked to, have talked to to. (laughs) about trading for James Harden. And we, we three came together and we discussed this exact scenario uh, not too long ago. Or we at least in our group text we did, and then I think we did a podcast with our, our buddy Kirk Henderson over at Mavs Moneyball too. But anyway, the fit is very questionable. But Fish, I think you were the one who said at the time, as questionable as it is, you know, Harden as an MVP player, and you know, if you add him with a guy like Luca, you know, you take your chances and you win a bunch of basketball games and you figure the rest out later. My question to you, Fish is after all this stuff we've seen with James Harden not showing up to training camp for the Rockets, he's partying, partying in Atlanta and Vegas and, you know, leaving his teammates to tough it out without him. Has your opinion changed on that since then? <laughs> yes. Like, I'm, my, my, my general opinion is that coaches want talent. So just, right. just give me talent and we'll figure it out. Give me – Give me a six. If, if you got a seven foot guy, give me him. If you got a left handed pitcher, give me him. If you got a four two sprinter, give me him. But James Harden, James Harden is a unique case. He is cancerous. Yes. And what we wrote a couple of weeks ago on DallasBasketball.com is James Harden is the Mavericks' secret weapon because he's ruining a contender. Harden right. plus Westbrook. James Harden and Russell Westbrook on the same team as a contender. That's that that's that should be just as good as Porzingis and Duke and Luca. I mean, In you theory. don't have to you don't have to agree specifically, but generally, that's two of the top twelve players in basketball. Westbrook's better at what he does than Porzingis is at what he does, right? Right. They had they had two superstars. And they cannibalized themselves. And so, like, I was like, I was excited for the fact that Harden was ruining the Rockets. And he still will, whether he stays or goes. But now comes, it's Scoop B. Scoop B has the scoop. (laughs) And um, because we wrote about it, and I put his tweet in the story on DallasBasketball.com slash Sports Illustrated. Scoop B, we've, we've disagreed before, and he's always very polite about it. He's just... Fish, I should have you on my show. So, so, you know, there's no, you know, nobody's mad or anything. Of course not. But 
maybe the Mavericks did some level of due diligence by touching base, but number one, the Mavericks don't have the, they really don't have the ammunition to match a trade for Harden. Number two. I mean, unless you're including Porzingis, in which case, no. (laughs) Right. Number two, in the NBA, the player, the player and his agent runs the trade. So, so Harden is in charge of where he wants to go. And there's certainly no sniffs that says he wants to go to Dallas, although he should. He should want to come here. Yeah. Uh, and then number three, he's a he's he's the rarest exception. He he will hurt your team. If he goes to Brooklyn and they have Kyrie, KD, oh, man. and Harden, on paper, that's incredible. In reality, they, they will they will they will they will sleep with each other's girlfriends. They, it, it, it'll be it'll be horrible in reality. So I want to see it, uh, and I want to see James Harden ruin everybody that's in the Mavericks' path. So start with ruining Houston. Thank you, James. Yeah, and and I mean, Matt, I'll get your thoughts on this too. But before I do, I just want to point out that at what point do people start? Like, for example. Everybody gives Russell Westbrook a, a bunch of crap, you know, because he takes shots he shouldn't take sometimes. And he, he'll he shoot threes even though he's a horrible three-point shooter and all that kind of stuff. But just look at the track record of guys who have played with James Harden who have ended up having a problem with James Harden or not meshing with James Harden and, you know, ends up leaving. You know, they uh, Dwight Howard started with him. Uh, they ended up trading Clint Capella because of all that. Uh, Chris Paul, you know, they, they had a chance to win a title with that team, and they still yep. couldn't. he still couldn't make it work. Because and of he, him. Yeah, because of James Harden. And then you have Russell Westbrook, who I think, you know, we laughed about that Wall, uh, John Wall for Russell Westbrook trade, but I think Westbrook and Bradley Beal mesh a whole lot better than, <laughs> than Harden and uh, Russell Westbrook so we'll see how that goes but at some point people have to just look at this like okay he is 100% the problem there do we actually want him on our team and honestly I think that's why he hasn't been traded yet <laughs> like I, I feel like his value, teams are his value is low his value is low yeah I mean you have a guy who and I mean Obviously, there's some screenshots out there that are unflattering from, you know, oh my you gosh. Bad, <laughs> bad angles and stuff. But he doesn't look like he's, you know, been taking care of himself this offseason either. So, I mean, who Listen. wants to trade a big package for James Harden when he's looking like this and acting like this, you know, right before the season's about to start? Right. He is, he's, ruined, he's ruined the Rockets because he's, now he's ruined his trade value. Yeah. The Mavericks still don't have enough. But, James, if you're listening, Anytime Fitness, Frisco, on Preston, I will challenge you to a weight room battle. And I'm an old man. I look better in a basketball uniform than you do. People talk about how Luca looks a bit chubby. James Harden looks like he ate Luca. <laughs> It was pretty. It was pretty he makes, bad. He, he makes a hundred. He's his contract calls for him to get paid a hundred and thirty-two million dollars. Have some pride. I mean, I know you're in the strip clubs, but when you're in the strip clubs and you take your pants off 
and the most protruding thing you've got is your belly, you've got a problem, son. <laughs> Matt, if I just for hypothetical purposes, if like if the Mavs were to trade for Harden, would I need to like come check on you? <laughs> um, I uh, I would be hard to find for a while. <laughs> that, that, that's for sure. But I, I, I challenge you, Matt Glasson, if the Mavericks traded for – if James Harden was a Maverick, you would you would want to marry him. No. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fish, uh, if there's if – there's, uh, if there's one thing that you don't know about me apparently, <laughs> which you know a lot, probably more than most people at this point. Yeah. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. But whoa. – but, James Harden, <laughs> I think, is the most unlikable, cancerous thing in today's NBA. And I would be horrified if the Mavericks traded for him. Hey, but when you were a little boy, you probably thought that same thing about Deion Sanders. Hey, Fish, I had a Deion jersey. Cowboy <laughs> or 49er? Well, look, here's, here's <laughs> My the My mind didn't work as well back then, Fish. I, I mean, I, I've for a long time I've called it the Dion rule. If he plays for them, I hate him. If he plays for us, I love him. I yeah. think for and it, it, look, it's obviously not every every Mavs fan out there that thinks this way, but I think for the majority of the fan base, if it did happen, the only thing that would turn you know change people's minds would be if Harden and Luca went on and won a championship together. That'd be the only thing that would change a lot of people's minds. I'm assuming that applies to you too, Matt. But uh, if, they could, if they could prove to me that it would work, that would be one thing. But I have zero, zero doubt that it would not right. work. And like I said, for, for them to even get in the, you know, even close to doing something, you probably have to include Porzingis. And I, I just – I just – it's hard for me to see that happening. Very hard. Guys, but it goes it goes against everything the Mavericks stand for. Yes. The, the Mavericks maybe too maybe too maybe too much. The Mavericks emphasize and believe in chemistry. Maybe too much to the point where we love our boys in blue. We turn down trades that to us seemed like that was a good idea. We're arguing you know, about Dwight Powell in the starting lineup. <laughs> right. Because Dwight Powell is chemistry, man. And 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 if they've erred on the side of caution, which I believe they have, um, because because Dirk, Cuban, Donnie, and then now Rick have created the, you know, that's the that's the used to be the triangle of trust. Now it's the quadrangle of trust. And now Luca, <laughs> same thing. That locker room runs a certain way. Dwight Powell helps run it. Berea helped run it, and hopefully in, in some form still will. Dwight um, and Luca helps run it. And th this franchise thinks that chemistry is tied with talent as the number one thing. Yeah. And, and if you're going to stick with that belief, then James Harden can never, ever, ever, ever be in the home locker room at the AAC, ever. No, right. Look, also, let me just add this real quick. It's it's not just that you would screw up your chemistry. It's not just that you would have to trade Porzingis. You would basically have to trade your entire reformed offseason that you just spent so much work 
getting this roster, you know, the way that they, the way that they needed it after last season, you'd have to get rid of Josh Green probably. You'd have to get rid of Porzingis. You'd probably have to throw in either Tim Hardaway Jr. or Josh Richardson and more draft picks, whatever, because they're not just going to take scraps. They're going to want a haul. And you'd basically trade your entire roster to have Luca and James Harden in the backcourt. Okay, I would, I would never do that. But would you would anybody ever consider trading Porzingis straight up for Harden? I would see. There's a lot of people that I've seen on Mavs Twitter that would do that straight up because there, there's a lot of people out there that are still very very skeptical of KP's health, and I understand that because he I hasn't. I mean, he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't finished a full NBA season yet. But I said this on last week's pod too. The, the upside to these last two injuries he's had, you know, he had the, the ACL in New York before he ended up being traded to the Mavs. Then he had the meniscus this last year. The bright side is both of those injuries were contact injuries. So yeah. it's, it's not like there's just something structurally wrong with his leg. Correct. Uh, so, I mean, that that's the bright side. If he, it's more unfortunate than anything else. So, no, you know what? It's like Sean Lee. When people people say Sean Lee's fragile, you guys, he was in <laughs> Chicago and he got hit on the top of the head with a sledgehammer, and it, it hurt his neck. Sean Lee is like is like is is like the toughest son of a bitch I know. It's 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 been unfortunate luck. Porzingis, same thing. But you guys have to admit this: on not forget chemistry on paper. If you traded Porzingis for for Harden. Straight up, Harden would score 40 points a game in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. He I would. Mean, it, on paper, it's it'd be lopsided in favor of the Mavs. You couldn't um, stop them. You would you would not be able to stop the Dallas Mavericks. But, but they would stop, but they would stop themselves because James Harden would ruin it. He yeah. just would. Well. Look, I mean, it, it's fun to think about, and I'm sure, you know, there's going to be, especially since uh, since Scoop B, you know, put the Mavs name in there, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of talk these next few days of, you know, what ifs in that scenario. But uh, just branching off of that, this is our last thing we're going to talk about before we head out. Uh, but, you know, Giannis, he signed his Supermax, yeah. the, the pipe dream that we've – We've written about, we've covered it for a little over two years now. Uh, it, it, it's done. It's just over. <laughs> he decided to stay in Milwaukee. You have to, you know, respect that because you don't see much of that, uh, that Dirk-like attitude from players in today's NBA. So you, you feel good for Milwaukee, but as far as, you know, our Giannis to Dallas pipe dream, it's over and we were sad about it for a little bit. So, my question to both of you guys and Fish, you can you can take this first. Where do the Mavs go from here now? Because the free agency pool for next offseason has, you know, dwindled significantly. There's really not, unless you're going after Rudy Gobert, there's really not going to be anybody on the market unless Kawhi Leonard opts out with the Clippers. So all right, I got I got three of them for you. One, if you're an NBA fan, you're happy about Giannis. Because if all the Bucks and all the Hornets and all the Jazz and all the Blazers all move to the Lakers or the Knicks or the Heat or the Brooklyn or the Mavericks, that's bad for the league. 
Yeah. The, um, if, if, if Milwaukee can't keep Giannis, Milwaukee should fold its franchise because it's purposeless. And so, so good for him that he is Dirk-like and Duncan-like and decided this is my, this is my town. And that's yeah. all too rare. This is, I think his mom lives there, right? Yeah, she does. Okay. So they moved from Greece to Milwaukee, just like Dirk did. Dirk moved from Germany. Dirk, you know, we, we created for Dirk, we created Würzburg, Texas for Dirk. <laughs> I mean, when he first came to town, I remember on 570 Cliff, my man, Norm Hitzkus, he like did a deal where he took Dirk to like the local German sausage restaurant. I mean, we, we created an environment for him. So good for Giannis. Bad for the Mavericks, good for Giannis. Number two, um, remember that, and I know listeners of this show know this because they read DallasBasketball.com, free agency isn't about free agents. It's just about who wants to move. Yes. So, so I don't, like I used to do a list. We used to do a story. Here's the list of the top 10 free agents. But you don't have to be free. All you have to be is disgruntled now. Having said that, is Victor Oladipo signed yet? No, he he will be uh, an unrestricted free agent next offseason. So is Rudy Gobert signed yet? He is not. Okay, well, give me one. Give me. I did. The, here's the thing with Rudy Gobert, though. Uh, I saw today where the Utah Jazz offered him a max, not a super max, but a max contract. And he turned down that max and he's asking the jazz for his super max money. So at that point you have to start asking, like, you know, if you're paying Christoph Porzingis $35 million a year, do you want to also tie up $40 million a year and Rudy Gobert? <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems kind of redundant. Uh, you know, especially if KP is, is better utilized at the five and then, you know, you're going to put, Okay, but that, that's where I go back to my thing about just just give me just give me five good players and get out of my way. Couldn't you figure it out? I mean, I wouldn't put it past them. If you've got Luka Doncic on your team, I think you can. <laughs> I think you can work something out. And right. if, what about what about Victor? Here's it. Let me run this by you guys because I was listening to our buddy Kirk's pod the other day. Kirk and Anderson, Capel High School. Yes, him and his co-host Josh Bow, who you know we're also friends with. Yeah, Josh Bow, yep. They were talking about, uh, you know, who the Mavs might throw money at, and Josh mentioned Victor Oladipo, and it got me thinking. You know, at the trade deadline for this year, depending on how things go, and you know, say Tim Hardaway Jr. doesn't shoot forty percent from three like he did last year, and say he, say he regresses to the mean. Of, uh, a little bit, you know, like what he, more towards what he was in New York. Would the Mavs be interested in potentially doing a trade that featured Tim Hardaway Jr. and Dwight Powell, even though I know they love Dwight Powell a ton, for Victor Oladipo and uh, uh, Miles Turner? Oh, my gosh. I'm so in on that. That's and, not I even mean, close. Though. And I mean, obviously, the Mavs would, you know, that there would have to be draft compensation, and there'd have to be a, probably another piece or two uh, added into that. But just the just the overall framework, I could see something like that 
happening at this year's trade deadline. And I think it'd be awesome for the Mavs. Okay, even though Miles Turner plays center and you're complaining about too many centers. Yeah, but Miles, the difference – I think the difference there, Fish, is Miles Turner's capable of doing a lot more – Offensively. Than Rudy Gobert. Offensively, he can shoot threes. He can – he can move around better and he, yeah. you know, he's, but he's also that defensive guy, but he's more athletic. He's more mobile. So he's like KP light. Okay. You know what, you know what uh, Carlisle says about Miles Turner? What's that? He's the modern, he, he made himself into a modern three. Oh, because, I like that. When, he, when Miles Turner, who's a DFW guy, which I think matters. When he first came into the league, he was a tradition. I mean, I'm not, not, I'm sorry, not a three, a modern five. Um, I, you guys correct me if I'm wrong. When he came into the league, he was not a modern five. He was an old fashioned five. He was more old fashioned. Yes. Yeah. And now Carlisle praises him for being a modern five. So I, the, the Miles Turner idea is fantastic. And again, you got Miles Turner and Porzingis on the same team. Get just, just, just gimme. we'll we'll find a way. So I love the idea of Oladipo and Miles Turner, and I would give up, I would, I'd give up the moon for that tandem. I'd give up more for those two guys, way more than I'd give for James Harden. Yeah, and I mean, look, Victor Oladipo, I was down on him heading into this this offseason that's come and gone already, mainly because he came back from his leg injury, and he just, you know, he just didn't really seem to look like himself, but after going back and watching some of those games when he came back, it kind of reminded me of when KP started last season, and it was the first time he had played in, like, nearly two years. Uh, you could see that it was there, but he just wasn't really, you know, it wasn't clicking for him right now. So I'm really – I'm curious in this early part of the season uh, to see how Oladipo does compared to when he came back from his injury last year. Uh, if he looks like the Oladipo from, you know, two seasons ago, I just – I think the Mavs should do all they can to add him at the trade deadline. And like I said, there's been rumors around uh, the Pacers looking to trade Turner because of Sabonis. You know, they have Sabonis there, and I think he's going to end up being their main uh, big man for the future. So, if they could end up getting those two guys in the same trade package – <laughs> I mean, that that would just yeah. be awesome for the Mavs going forward. I'll say this. I think the Mavericks roster, which right now I I think is a top six roster in the NBA. I think it'll look I agree. different and better after the trade deadline. I think they're – I think they'll – I don't even know when the trade deadline is anymore. But uh, I think the Mavericks will make a trade at the, at the deadline and look better. March – they set the trade deadline for March 25th today. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, uh, this, they're in. I, I believe, and you guys have talked to Donnie, so you know this. They're in such go for it mood mo- mode. I mean, there, there's no time to waste. There's no reason to wait five years. This can be the year right now. Let's go. Yeah, I actually, I absolutely agree. And look, guys, this has been a ton of fun. It's been way too long since we've done it. But every time we get together, we end up talking about some really awesome stuff and we have a good time doing it too. But Fish, we really appreciate you coming on and talking with us and we'll have to do it again sometime. All right.
Let's go hang out with the Mavericks. Let's get through this. Let's get to the 23rd. Mavericks at Phoenix. And uh, again, I've said this before, um, and, and our readers and our listeners know this. The work that our staff does in conjunction with Sports Illustrated, I think Matt Gladson is in charge of these numbers. I believe in the first two weeks of this month, I think we have 400,000 Mavericks fans following our work. Is that right, Matt? Uh, it's just about there as of today, yeah. Okay, that's, that's crazy. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. I mean, I know we're good. I know we're handsome, and I know we're cute, and I know we're smart. <laughs> DallasBasketball.com is like the seventh most successful Sports Illustrated endeavor that's ever happened. And, and that's thanks to people like Dalton and Matt and the rest of our great staff, but most of all, uh, thanks to the MFFL who have hung out with this. This is year 21 now for DallasBasketball.com and the association with Sports Illustrated, um, the, the 75 member staff, including you two guys, and then our incredible audience makes it happen. 400,000 of you. That's unbelievable. Guys, I remember when we started DallasBasketball.com and I would like, I would click on the site three times and then we would have three followers. We would have like, oh, there, there's three. I got, I got, I got three viewers, but they were all me. Hey, hey, yeah. click two more times. Woo, we're up to five. And now we're up to 400,000 in a half a month. Unbelievable. And thank you. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better, Fish. And Matt, is there anything else you want to add before we take off here? No, I'm just I, I'm I'm also really proud of the work we've been doing and I honestly think it's just gonna get better because you know the Mavericks are still in the preseason, obviously. So, you know, as of tonight, that'll be over. But once that you know, once they start playing on national television and you know, start showing the world what they're really capable of, uh, with all their new assets and everything, it's you know, things are just gonna blow up and um I'm also really excited and thankful to every one of you, all of our listeners, all of our YouTube subscribers, all of our um, DallasBasketball.com readers, everything. It's it's just been it's been awesome, and it's just going to get better. Yeah, when the Mavs Boy. are good, when the Mavs are good, it, it makes our jobs a whole lot easier, a whole lot more fun. So uh, we really appreciate it, guys. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite platforms. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a good review there. It really helps us out. And go subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, we're trying to get to 1,000 subs uh, before the end of the year, and I think we're right at 700 right now. So, I mean, that's 100 more than what we had a few weeks ago. So let's keep it going. <laughs> we appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great rest of the week and enjoy your weekend. We'll see you next time. Take a step back, reminiscing about the old days When I hooped outside with my friends and drunk that OJ Crossover doing step backs in a pair of J's These days I'm by my chips like a bag of lace. I ain't lying when I tell you people ain't the same How you real when you say your soul for the fame Do anything for a dollar I'ma stay patient cause I know God promised me a lot Looked up the Dirk and MJ instead of blue collar Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.